Welcome to the Radical Woman Podcast, the sacred space where we celebrate the transformative and alchemizing power of the divine feminine. I am your host, Kayla Abide, and I invite you to join me on a journey of self-discovery, sovereign autonomy, and radical authenticity. In this podcast, we dive deep into the realms of both the light and the dark feminine, exploring the duality within us all. We believe that as women, we possess incredible gifts and a birthright to step into our truest power. Whether you're in the maiden, mother, or crone phase of your life, this podcast is for you. Together, we'll embark on a path of healing, growing, and self-responsibility as we learn how to thrive in all aspects of our lives. We'll delve into the wisdom of our ancestors, ancient traditions, and modern practices to unlock the secrets of our divine potential. So join me as we shed societal expectations and embrace our authentic selves, fearlessly expressing who we are at our core. We'll explore topics such as self-love, boundaries, intuition, creativity, maidenhood, birth, motherhood, emotional medicine, and so much more. Each episode will leave you feeling inspired and awakened to the awareness of your own unique light. Whether you're seeking guidance, inspiration, or simply a community of like-minded women, the Radical Woman Podcast is here to support you on your journey. Together, we'll create a sacred space to honor the beauty and the strengths of ourselves and each other. Get ready to ignite your fire, reclaim your power, and awaken the voice of your heart. It's time for radical womanhood. The time is now. So grab a cup of tea, settle in, and let's embark on this transformative journey together. Welcome to episode 17. Today, I bring you a sister and a friend, an incredibly wise woman who actually is the forefront of the creation for the Radical Woman podcast. So Athena, as you will see, has helped me with a multitude of her talents and her gifts through her creative abilities of technology and creation. And so one of the first ones we worked together on was the creation of the Radical Woman podcast. And not only did the stars align in our journey for co-creation, but it was brought into my awareness that I conceived my second child during a lunar cycle. So it's no wonder why myself and Athena have crossed paths. And now I bring her to you to share all of her wisdom and, you know, what even is a lunar cycle and how can astrology greatly impact your fertility. So I hope you enjoy. Start off with sharing who you are. And maybe even just a little bit how we know each other, because I always think that's fun too. And then dive into where you're at, how you got here and what you'd love to share on your heart today. Sure. Well, it's kind of interesting because the way that we know each other is a little bit of a nod to my <laughs> previous life. <laughs> because how are we're working together right now primarily is through my design and creative support and web building support. So we do a lot of, um, we have a lot of meetings around that, which is always really fun because, you know, eventually we get into 
spiritual topics and life and other things too. So it's always like very fun to connect with you um, about what's going on with your projects. Um, and yeah, so in my previous life, um, I was a an art director and a graphic designer for the fashion industry in New York. Cool. Very cool. much all about that life <laughs> and the persona that I built around myself in order to belong in that life and um, yeah, sort of actually create a shell around who I was really destined to be, which ultimately came into my life through the conception of my daughter, who was a Saturn return baby. Um, <laughs> gotta love, gotta love those, conce <laughs> those conceptions. Um, and I think it wasn't until years later that I really started getting into astrology and started hearing more nuanced perspectives on what Saturn and his return can really mean in one's life. And I think the, the, the explanation that stuck with me the most was that if you're not on the path that you are sort of dharmically supposed to be on, Saturn will come through in his return and sort of knock you back into place. So Saturn returns don't have to be horrific and terrible and like this this deep suffering for you know two and a half years um <laughs> but for most people in our culture I think because we're not taught how to be in our authentic and core soul selves and we're not taught how to pursue what our purpose is in life that for most people the Saturn return period ends up being quite earth-shattering um, so yes, yeah. during my Saturn return, <laughs> you're like, yep. <laughs> so during my Saturn return, I conceived um, fauna through some means of divine intervention that I still can't figure out. Um, and of course, it doesn't help that at the time, I didn't do anything beyond put a little red circle in my calendar for the first day that I was expecting to get my period, like most women are taught to do, right? I have no, no records beyond that. Not when I was ovulating, like nothing, nothing. It's so funny because now my calendars are so detailed and I have my fertile moon date in there too. And like, <laughs> it's like all there. And I, I look back on those years and I'm like, what, where, what were you even doing? What was going on with your body? I can't peer into you. So yeah. Fauna came through us through some sort of divine intervention, um, and she really inspired me to leave my career in fashion, which is, as many of us already are aware of, is just like endlessly horrendous um, in terms of just what it does for women, for culture, for children, for the environment, um, just all around. It is a hot mess, which is quite unfortunate because I do still love fashion. And I think, um, I think the tide is turning there and that's a whole other conversation. So yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I conceived fauna and that's when I decided to leave the industry and pursue something that had more so to do with wellness and working with women. And then of course, because I had a home birth, I got sucked into the whole birth justice thing and I did all the doula trainings in New York which kind of started sending me down a writer path but like of course there were a lot of issues there uh, and then I ended up thinking well maybe I'll just attend birth outside the system uh, and do unassisted birth and non-medicalized birth but 2020 happened and we ended up moving so much that that I kept missing women 
during their birthing windows. And it just sort of felt like birth didn't really want me. I don't know how else to describe it, but it just seemed like every time there was a possibility for me to really truly step into birth, something would shift me away from it. Uh, and eventually I just had to accept that. And along the way, I also did, um, I studied herbalism and was introduced to medical astrology and astro herbalism. Uh, and it was funny because at the time I was like, wow, this is so amazing. But I also didn't really know how to integrate it into some kind of a practical sense. So it took a couple years of letting that simmer in the depths of my brain and consciousness before it finally started to come together for me. And then at some point, I also started uh, learning under Judith Hill, who taught a class in fertility astrology specifically. And I was like, oh, wow, like it can, you can go deeper down this well than like, you know, I already thought. So I, I studied um, that under her and then really realized that like this was a thing for me. This was going to be a direction for me. Um, and even in the small ways that I was already applying astrology and medical astrology to people in my life and sneaking it into my work with clients that I was seeing through other modalities, I started just realizing how present it was and how it really shapes who you come through the portal to be in this lifetime, just in, in you know, in, in terms of your personality, sure, but also in terms of like your physiology and your fertility. And yeah, it's a complete cosmic framework that doesn't, it's not necessarily your destiny. I like to be very like, put a lot of emphasis on that. And I don't, and I, I'm very careful about how I use medical astrology in particular, because I don't want it to be just another means of pathologizing women and their bodies. Um, but it can provide a lot of insight into who you are, why you respond certain ways to things, uh, your energetics, things that are unfolding in your life events that are triggered through energetic means because of the, the planetary placements. And then of course your fertility, which now I'm seeing has become such like, it's just so present for women, whether they're conscious that it's, it's occurring for them or not. I, I said to another woman recently that even if you are not in relationship with the moon, she's in relationship with you. I love that. Yeah. So, so this is the kind of the, the sort of work that I've been doing now. It's, it's a culmination of all of the studies that I've immersed myself in for the past five years and all of the fire walks that I've been through um, yeah, just this, it's been this interesting initiation into this role that doesn't look the way I thought it would look, but isn't that always how it goes? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'll just sum it up with the word exactly, but yes, 100%. And I think it's, it's so fun for me, um, cause we've kind of like, interwoven in and out in so many categories together of just like like you said in the beginning of sharing like when we would meet for whatever creation it is that you're helping me on or you know it's just it's more of like this like sisterhood of like hey what about this we're kind of like in this flow of like what's going on in your life what's going on in your life of just like where are we going what is unfolding and I think that's so fun because it was you know for me 
I was very much so the opposite of kind of when you shared about your daughter coming in as like I was in a deep healing journey of healing my fertility on my own. Um, and so I knew when all those windows were, but for my second child, it was a Russian roulette. Let's just figure out, like, it's kind of like, you know, I share it as like, we both came home from the office. We were both exhausted and like had baby fever all of a sudden because of all the influx of babies in our practice. And we were like, well, like we could play Russian roulette. (laughs) And I for sure had known that I wasn't ovulating. It's funny that you bring up the the lunar cycle because that's exactly what happened. (laughs) It was exactly (laughs) the right place at the right time. Of course, and of course she did choose that as well because she is a fire in that. So I want to dive in with that and just start with that. Mm -hmm. I think most women um, in that circle of like even diving into astrology or fertility astrology is that like some people haven't heard of the lunar cycle or even the existence of it. So that might be a nice like way to ease in before I know you're going to like crack this egg open and blow everybody's mouth. <laughs> so sure, yeah. Well, I love starting with fertility astrology in particular because it is centered around the moon. And that's, you know, she's our closest celestial body. We can really clearly see her and experience her with our senses. And a lot of women already are very interested in naturally, they gravitate towards being interested in the moon and might have little rituals or at least acknowledge her when they see that she's full. Um, You know, so she's kind of already present for a lot of people. She's more tangible. Um, So she's a really great entry point into you know, the grander world of astrology. And the the most important thing to understand the core of fertility astrology is understanding that the moon impacts a woman's fertility the same way that our physiology impacts our fertility. So I always say that women have two fertile windows or two, um, you know, separate fertile cycles, right? And like at a certain time of the month, they are physiologically, hormonally uh, fertile. But then there's another phase of the month, another cycle also occurring on a cosmic level that makes them astrologically fertile. And sometimes those windows align and sometimes those windows don't align. Uh, And that brings a lot of questions to the surface to explore, too, because I know for a long time, you know, women have been trying to sync their cycles with the moons, that they're ovulating with the full moon and like bleeding with the new moon. Um, But there's also this other more individualized lunar cycle that's occurring that their body may actually want to attune to rather than, you know, the, the blanket statement, one size fits all, full moon, you ovulate, ovulate, new moon, you, you bleed. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the way how to know what your cycle is, is by finding out what phase the moon was in at the time of your birth. So, of course, if you were born under a full moon, then yes, your lunar fertile window is going to be when the moon is full which would then it, it will, depending on whether you're trying to have a baby, then it would be optimal for you to ovulate during the full moon. That would be appropriate for your physiology. Uh, but some women are born under a new moon. Uh, and then if then in that case, if they are trying to cycle with the moon or if they do cycle with the moon in that more conventional sense and wondering why they can't have a baby, well, maybe it's because you're actually supposed to be having sex on your period. Mm. Uh, and there's different kind of like, layers to this right so like stage one (laughs) like stage one like 
intensity of one's fertility is like your, you know, your fertile moon phase. So if you're not physiologically fertile, but it's your fertile moon, that is like one degree of fertile intensity. And then your, you know, your hormonal um, fertility. So your hormonal ovulation is probably like obviously the next level of fertile capacity. But then you have the glorious moment when the fertile moon and the ovulation align. And then you're, then you're like, boom, like gushing fertility. <laughs> so there's different ways to look at like, there's layers, right, to how fertile we can be. And of course, you know, we want to cover the human aspect of this experience. If you are living a life that is not in alignment with the guidelines for the human body and your connection with nature and with your nutrition and your, all these other things, you can't just rely on the fertile moon phase to magically get you pregnant, right? So I have to, I have to say that too, because <laughs> we're also human beings here. Um, so yes. So um, what else do I want to say about that? Well, I guess I do want to say that like, the other thing I want to say, yes, is that, you know, the fertile, the, the moon phases, they last for a period of time, right? Like we all know that, you know, when you do your full moon magic is for a three day window, <laughs> you have, you actually have three days of that full moon to get your rituals in. So there's degrees through which, you know, the moon travels through the chart. Um, and just because you were born under a full moon doesn't necessarily mean that your optimal fertile moon, you know, window is going to be for three days. Um, there's actually a very specific point at which the moon aligns with your, you know, the, the phase that it was in when you were born down to a degree. Mm. So most people who are familiar with, um, astrology kind of know what that chart looks like when you pull up your chart on like astro.com or cafe astrology or whatever it's sort of like a wheel mm -hmm. and there's 12 sections to it those are the houses so um each one of those houses is 30 degrees mm. right and the moon um takes about two and a half days to travel through one of those houses so it's actually going pretty quickly it, it tra she travels about one degree every two hours so if you were born when the moon was you know full but at three degrees in gemini or actually the zodiac doesn't matter so don't don't mind that but if it was she was born or you know the moon was full at a certain degree um then that is what you're really going to look for in terms of you know accuracy in terms mm -hmm. of predicting the day in which you want to attempt to conceive a child or avoiding conceiving a child. So depending on what you're, you're looking for here, you kind of treat that fertile moon moment as you would a moment of ovulation. Yeah. Does that, does that, does that stay the same every single month then? Yes. Okay. So it doesn't matter what sign the moon was in when you were born. So if you have a Gemini moon, the moon doesn't need to be in Gemini for this yeah. to apply. It's more so about the phase. Hmm. the specific phase of the moon it's a little bit hard to dis describe especially because I'm more of a visual person yeah, sure. but if you go um on my site I actually have a free pdf that you can oh, download cool. that like really clearly explains how to interpret this and calculate this in your own chart awesome that should make it a lot easier yeah it's just it blows my mind <laughs> frankly how I think we are led as women 
so heavily and intensively and for you know for people like myself and you have been doing this for a while and have these conversations all the time it's still mind-blowing but I think even beyond the depths of the woman who is maybe just like even just starting to understand that there's like phases to her cycle like this can be very overwhelming in a sense but I also Mm -hmm. find it can be very freeing as well knowing that you know especially in the world that I work with women in terms of fertility, like people just think like it's the end all be all right. It's like the endometrial lining. It's like X, Y, and Z has to matter, has to add up. So it can be liberating in a sense to know that there's like this other layer. And I like that you call it a layer because that makes it so much more easeful and fun and light. But also in the, in the world of being on, I want to describe this. I don't want it to look like a hierarchy, but in just like a, in a layer unfolding, right? Of like a, an evolution of where you're at and your understanding. So for individuals like myself and you, I tend to be on this other side of the evolution of thinking like, I didn't even know what I didn't even know in terms of conceiving my daughter. And now as I am like unfolding and moving through this season before I conceive another child, to me, it looks like, oh my gosh, there's so many damn fertile windows. <laughs> right and oh my god it's like when you're trying to have a baby and if the windows don't align it's like yes I have so many opportunities (laughs) but then when you're trying not to have a baby you're like fuck why am I fertile all of the time (laughs) precisely and that's I mean all in all it's funny because like is that not the flow of being a woman though like isn't that like the actual like ebb and flow of like the mother of like mother nature of like oh it's going too slow then you're like rafting down the like the waves like holy shit the slow down and then like you're so slow and you're just like I need to move faster it needs to go faster it's like this constant back and forth give and take of wanting more or less and feeling that and I think it's important to be able to recognize and understand uh, a process as such like the moon because that's literally what what she does so I love that you explained it like that because it is it is light and heavy and fun and exciting but also I think for me we can't be so brought into these astrological even physiological or like mundane processes without recognizing the humanness of it right Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you, you know, women are going to figure out once you have this information, you can understand patterns, mm-hmm. right? It's just like when you're on some kind of any kind of a, a healing journey and the really the first phase is developing a sense of self-actualization mm-hmm. where you can now begin to see yourself and the patterns and the behaviors and the thought processes. So when you start learning this information, you can now start to look at your patterns and understand what your body's doing. I have women, some women write into me and tell me I get a whole second wave of fertile mucus when I shouldn't. And it's because, and then, you know, I see that my, my moon is there, right? So they're seeing how their body is responding to their lunar cycle. And then they can make decisions according to that. If you notice that you are extremely responsive to the lunar cycle, you might have to take your contraceptive practices more seriously, Mm -hmm. right? Whereas if you don't notice that you have a strong response to your lunar cycle, you might decide that 
you know, this information is fun and everything, but maybe not every cycle you're going to treat it as though it is like, you know, as serious as your body symptoms during physiological ovulation. Mm -hmm. It just depends on like how you get to know your body, how you get to know your fertility, how you get to witness, how you respond to astrological events. Um, Even in studying medical astrology, you're taught that certain signs are more susceptible to outside for like, you know, interference than other signs are. Um, so there's, there's a whole, and then that's, that's the more in-depth layer to fertility astrology. And usually that's what women come to me to learn about if they're on a fertility journey. Cause of course, everyone's downloading the PDF and calculating their fertile moon phase and everything like that. But then there's this additional layer of like, well, what does your constitution look like and how, you know, how susceptible are you to external interference? And also what are the other transits? that, you know, what other, tra- what are the other transits doing in your chart? Cause there are other planets and placements that impact your fertility. So the fertile moon phase alone doesn't necessarily guarantee this portal is going to open up for a child to come through. There could be other stuff going on. And again, that's the astrological layer in addition to whatever your human experience is and how physiologically fertile you are and how vital you are and how aligned you are in your life with your needs and with your relationship with nature and all these other things. Yeah. I'd love for you, if you're open to it, to go into a little more of like the transits and the the different um, signs and the different, you know, parts and pieces of what goes into all of that. Cause I think it's so interesting. Cause I also, I look at it from a point of, you know, I mean, I've worked with you in several facets before and you're just amazing, like amazing. But nonetheless, I think it's also in my mind, powerful to work with you if you are also trying to put contraceptives in place and be Mm -hmm. more autonomous in your choices to know and to get to better be connected intimately with your fertility. Is that true? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, when it, when it comes to contraception, the fertile, you know, the fertile moon is going to be the most important piece of information that you need. Uh, And in in addition to body literacy and understanding how to use fertility awareness method and what all your options are in terms of engaging with contraceptive practices and stuff like that. Uh, But then when it comes to wanting to conceive a child, that's when there's potential there to explore some deeper, deeper depths. And just in terms of, you know, looking at transits, for example, what is a transit? A transit is basically um, any you know, planetary body that's sort of passing through your chart. So I, you know, you have your chart, which is that, that circle of 12, 12 houses, 12 signs. Um, that's sort of like an imprint, right? That shows you the placement of where all of the, the celestial bodies were at the moment of your birth. And then when you take that chart and you look at it through the lens of where all the planets currently are, Right. If you if you look that up on like, again, astro.com or something and you, you, you select that you want to see your chart with transits, um, then all the planets will be arranged around the outer edge of the chart so that you can see. Right. Like, OK, like where Saturn is right now. Um, I wrote a post um, a couple months ago about Saturn being in Pisces and like what that could mean. Um, and, and it's going to impact you specifically according to where Pisces is in your chart. 
right? So not everybody has Pisces in the first house or the second house or the third house. It's going to be unique to where um, your ascendant was at the, at the moment of your birth. And that's going to mean different things for you. Like if Saturn is in Pisces right now and you have Pisces in the eighth house, that is going to impact you very differently than if somebody has Pisces in the first house. Mm. That, that would mean that Saturn is either transiting that eighth house for that the Pisces and eighth house person or the first house for the Pisces in first house person. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of like how we look at the transits. It's sort of like where they are passing through your chart in terms of the houses and also the um, what's called aspects that they make to the other planets in the chart. So the aspects are kind of um, how the planets are communicating to each other in terms of degrees, actually. It's sort of um, geometric. So for example, like if one planet is, so you'll, sometimes you'll hear astrologers say that one planet is squared another planet. So that means they're making a 90 degree angle to one another around the circle. Why? Because 90 degree angles make a square, right? So it's all, it's actually quite geometric. Cool. Um, and then a lot of some, a lot of, uh, astrologers, you'll also hear using the word conjunct that's a really popular one too because conjunctions are very powerful transits it basically means that one planet is passing directly over a planet in your chart um, or if two planets within your chart are conjunct one another then they're very close they live very close to one another uh, and this can have various impacts depending on obviously the planets and what else is going on? Um, so yeah, so when it comes to fertility astrology specifically and analyzing the transits, there are certain placements that you look for that may be more favorable for a conception or may not be favorable for a conception. Mm -hmm. And of course it's not set in stone, but these are factors that we take into consideration when we're looking um, at what's going on for an individual. And sometimes the transits can be so powerful that it may even provide an explanation for why some women believe that they've been in a bout of infertility, whatever that is, because I think that there's a lot of problems with that word infertile. Yeah. Um, you know, and without that knowledge, they may go to the system to say, what is wrong with me? And they'll just say, oh, haven't conceived in a year, this arbitrary amount of time that someone made up to decide you are infertile. Here's your file. You can't have children. These are our options. And then they'll come to someone like me and I'll say, well, fuck, of course you haven't been having a baby. Like this crazy, this whole crazy thing is happening in your, <laughs> your chart. Like, of course you're not having a baby right now, you know? Um, so yeah. And a lot of, just for fun, I guess I can uh, list off some of the planets that are going to be important there. But obviously Venus is going to be really important for women and for women's fertility. Uh, Venus also rules estrogen. So sometimes her placement in the chart can, can explain why things are going on there. Uh, Mars for men, of course, and also for women too. And, and, and men get involved in this as well. Whenever I do women's charts, I always look at the partner's as well um, to see what's going on with his fertility because he also has his own lunar cycle uh, and his whole thing going on. Mars for men, Jupiter is a really great one for children. Jupiter, uh, Jupiter brings in luck and expansion. Um, so Jupiter placements can be really important there. Obviously the moon um, and how the moon is being aspected as well uh, can, can be really important. And even some of the houses too, like the fifth house is a really big one. Cause the fifth house is all about, um, children. 
So for example, if you had like transiting Jupiter over your natal moon in the fifth house, that is just like calling them in, <laughs> calling them in. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's, it's, again, it's, it's quite fun. Um, and also can provide really tangible information for what's going on. And, and I don't want women to underestimate, you know, sometimes it's like, because it, it is such a fun way to understand our bodies. Um, we kind of underestimate how I sort of, I guess, medically, scientifically reliable it can be. Um, but medical astrology has such a long, rich history uh, of development since the Babylonian era through all different kinds of cultures and has really been built upon for a very long time uh, to such an extent that actually the RX symbol that we see on prescription pads for drugs used to mean that the doctor has seen the radix, oh, which wow. is another word for the horoscope or that wheel that we've been talking about in this episode. Oh. Um, so it used to be really, really integrated into more scientific methods of, of health and healing and understanding the person in front of you. Um, it's almost like an, an additional language, just like TCM or Ayurveda. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and they all really do kind of work together, like even in terms of understanding someone's constitution through the chart, uh, you can almost every single time one's a woman's astrological constitution will completely match how she experiences her constitution in real life so if she goes to an ayurvedic practitioner and comes out and sit, feels like oh yes i have a more pitta oriented constitution blah 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 and then if i were to look at her chart 95 percent chance i'm going to say are you a pitta <laughs> you know so yeah it's always funny to me how when we talk about things such as like even like medical astrology or even Ayurveda or even any type of like Eastern medicine um, in general, we always like just I think as a society deem it's like not science. It's like, oh, well, that's not science. But really, it's kind of like in the world of like when I work in the world of fertility, too, of like or just women and well women's health of like and with children, especially with children is like frequency medicine. It's like th these things don't exist in science. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This is like the founding science. This is like the real science before science became like uncool and deemed something else was science instead of this <laughs> science. And I like, I found myself saying like, you know, the word quantum is like a big word right now, right? Like quantum healing, quantum this. Like, um, hello, it comes from quantum physics, which is like yeah. everything we know to exist before we even had a term for it in west in the western world um so it's funny and it's not ironic i don't think by any means that all of these symbols of course still have to exist in the world of new age real science even though they came from the fake science, <laughs> fake science right <laughs> which just cracks me up because i feel like that's my my daily weekly uh conversation i have in some capacity especially now that it's becoming more on the forefront because we're getting rid of and saying no, especially in the world of women's fertility and preconception and you know conscious conception, people are saying no to these westernized systems, especially in the world of that yucky word infertility, mm -hmm. uh, which I'm curious about. What would be the number, like one and two themes that you see of women coming to you that are you know calling themselves infertile or have been told they're infertile or can't conceive? 
Well, the first thing that just pops into my head, and I don't know if it's a theme or not, but I, I do notice that a lot of women who struggle with their cyclical well-being also struggle with their thyroid. It seems like issues with the thyroid have become this like insane epidemic that I didn't actually realize how serious it was until I started working one-on-one with women and realizing that not only do the majority of them have, you know, issues with their thyroid, but that the majority of them are also on medication for it and not really regarding the medication as medication. Yeah. It's almost like the new birth control. No, it is. Like, like, That's a, yes, a hundred percent. I see that too. Yeah. But for me, and I'm curious what your thoughts are mm-hmm. in the world of, you know, the quantum world of uh, frequency energetics, the imbalance in the thyroid that I see isn't actually from the thyroid. The mm-hmm. thyroid is the middleman. Therefore, the medication isn't doing anything except for creating a fucking shit storm to the rest of their physiology. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's very concerning. Um, and, and most of the women too, they don't, it's like they come to me wanting to resolve these so-called fertility issues or cycle issues. Um, and then they have, but they have no desire to heal the thyroid or address that they're on medication for it. It's like, it's like this weird lapse, yeah. like, oh, I'm almost not even going to bring it up with, to you. Like if I didn't have an intake process where I like ask detailed questions about like everything you're putting into your body, then I wouldn't even know that they yeah. were on all this stuff because they wouldn't bring it up in session. Yeah. Um, and of course I'm not a physician. I'm not, I'm not going to tell anybody to stop taking or take anything, but you know, there is a little bit of education that goes into, into that has to go into it because if you don't want to address what's going on with your thyroid and you don't want to actually heal that and stop taking the synthetic hormones, like that's absolutely your choice. But then you also need to make an informed choice. Again, it's just like the birth control crisis where women haven't been actually making informed choices regarding the hormonal contraceptives that they've been taking. And then, you know, getting off of birth control after 10 years of not having a period and like wondering what's wrong, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, So the same thing now is happening with the thyroid where there's this like epidemic of women with thyroid issues. And like you said, it's not really the thyroid, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And then consenting to these synthetic hormones and not really addressing that it's a medication at all, or that it's anything that they would ever consider coming off of or yeah, yeah, it's, it's really, um, it's really wild. And the thing that's most concerning to me too, is that addressing, um, you know, providing counseling around light therapy and like appropriate, how, what it looks like to be in an appropriate relationship with light, natural light and the sun is a huge component for me in terms of the kind of education that I provide to women on these journeys. And like, if you follow my Instagram account, you know, I can't like stop talking about it. (laughs) I just like constantly reminding everybody about what this needs to look like. And, um, you know, when we're putting these chemicals into our bodies, especially hormones, it disrupts the way in which we synthesize light medicine in ways that we don't even fully understand yet because there's not any money in researching that. 
And then if you're not only taking a medication, but it's also a synthetic hormone, now you're really playing, you know, a gambling game because we also tend to forget that vitamin D is not a vitamin, it's a hormone and the hormones don't exist in isolation, you know? So like, how is that impacting how you, you synthesize hormone D? You know, it's just like, it's just this big web that becomes like a huge mess because we've like complicated how our bodies strive to function by like putting all of these things into it. And I, I don't discriminate. It's not just like pharmaceutical prescriptions. And I'm just like, are you really sure? Why are you taking? It's like, you know, even supplements, like sometimes the women who come to me are on like the, the, the little block of text of all the supplements they're taking mm -hmm. is like, phenomenal oh yeah you know, it's, it's mind-blowing mind-blowing <laughs> mind blowing. a thousand percent yes and like hey I used to be that per this is like I get it like I have a very very long story I my health healing journey began when I was 13 and became you know deeply deeply depressed um in a way that I of course could not understand as a 13 year old uh, and that, you know, what took me down a whole path of self-harm and alcoholism and addiction and sex and just like all of the methods, all of the ways to cope and numb and, you know, um, just deal with the cards that I were given in my life at that time. And then in my 20s, of course, naturally, I progressed into the self-righteous wellness hero who went vegan and told everybody that everything was going to kill them and that was <laughs> I bought all the supplements and just thought I was so fabulous um and guess what that didn't really make me any healthier either <laughs> so actually looking back the things that made me the most healthy had everything to do with my mindset and whether or not I was living in my purpose mm. Yeah. That really carried me through all of the bullshit that I was putting my body through above everything else. And then of course to make for just yeah. a second. Because I yeah. think especially in the emotional world or even like like for the frequency world of frequency healing, because I find that supplements are also the same, are also to the same caliber of thinking that they're going to better us when they're actually also isolating and changing that frequency of our mindset, because they're also made from pure shit 99% of the time. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that, and I've seen people like I, in working with women, you know, especially in the women that I'm working also with their child, because we see that like that mother baby dyad or that relationship of how it is impacting one another and how like you could I'm just going to use the word treat for the, the, the sake of this conversation, easy understanding, but you could treat the child and address the emotions in that way. And then you put that child back in the environment of mom and it completely goes back to the way it was. And you could out supplement that all you want to, but it's not going to freaking work because that mm -hmm. child has that like pure, innocent, like inviting curiosity, like that divine wisdom, just like beaming from the top of its head. And the mother's just like, shut down, crunched, like thyroid, just like throat chakra, just like, oh, 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 right. But then you also have those same presentations of women who it's kind of like the opposite, right? Like the mom may have been in like the most shit situation and had maybe a horrific birth, but I see it all the time that it's that mindset. It's that like, 
that 100% emotional piece that plays that you can't out supplement your emotions. Like you just can't do it. You can't take anything from the outside. You can't become a vegan and make yourself feel better. Although there are situations that those individuals, when they put themselves in a shock response from starving themselves of meat, starving themselves of protein and the biological nutrients that are required for the human experience, they do get better, better quotations. Because their body goes from one shock response to the next shock response, and then all of a sudden it starts to find some type of homeostasis, which then begins to crumble after the longevity of it, um, which is which is not funny, but for the sake of this conversation, ironic that we work in two totally different worlds, but yet we see the same presentation, and therefore all of us as women are, you know, a, a collective of doing this, you know, um, parallelly to one another and we're all on this different journey of figuring out what pieces of that puzzle are going to come to be um because I've had a very similar journey in the world of self-healing and, and, and supplements and fertility and like you know I got to do all of that before I was formally credentialed and educated in these worlds and then realized that that was actually not at all what I actually did when I healed my fertility it had nothing to do with the things that I did it had everything to do with what went on up here in the forefront of my, my mindset and my emotional brain. Yeah, it's true. And that component really, um, I love bringing that component into my sessions with women. I, I actually feel like my offering really hinges on three pillars. And one of those pillars is the psychology, um, you know, of the client, because what she is, the beliefs that she is existing through every single day are ultimately going to shape how she lives in her body, you know, how she experiences her reality, how she co-creates her life. And that sometimes has more of a presence in her fertility journey than all of the tchotchke things that she's taking every morning to quote unquote heal you know, or call a baby in. There's, there's just so, there are so many, and I I love doing this work too, because like, I have, I have, you know, of course, like I've spent, I don't know, uh, over a decade, just like, (laughs) like in the shadow realm. And it's so wonderful to be able to come out of that for, you know, coming up for light for myself too, and like leaving that realm behind and putting it down for a bit, but also taking with me all of the tools that I've gathered that, help me to understand like how to ask you questions so that you can reveal in your own words what is really going on in your programming that is actually guiding your choices and your reality and how you're experiencing your fertility journey. Uh, and that for me is like really where a lot of the juice is um, and where I think a lot of the transformation happens, because uh, yeah, it's really such a big piece of, you know, I mean, we're 99.999999% empty space and energy. So hello, like, <laughs> I love that you, you know, like it. physiology is like the last piece. It's like, you know, it's like energetics and psychology and your programming and all, 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 all that stuff. And then it's like, the astrology and the cosmic blueprint and like the natural cycles and all of that. And then it's like your body, (laughs) like at the bottom. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yes. Yes. And I think we're getting there. I really do. I mean, as much as I feel like I have endless conversation with other individuals like yourself who work in this field of just seeing the same patterns over and over again, it's like we're all kind of like the North Star, no matter how you look at it, we're all looking at the North Star from different viewpoints, layers, um, conceptualized ideologies and understandings. But it's so beautiful because I think we really are getting so much more close to that North Star in a way, because I do see a lot of the very conventionalized systems of women or women going into these conventionalized systems, leaving those systems. And it really is like that empty matter space of the mind of just saying no, like the amount of women that, that finally like get fed up and just say like, I'm not doing this anymore. I want to go and seek something else. I don't even believe in this thing that you're doing, which is always my my favorite. Like, I don't believe in this thing you're doing. I'm like, okay, great. Come on over. Like, water's warm, you know? Like, I don't even believe in it. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I didn't believe in it either. I, I mean, I don't know. I, do we, like, can we believe in something like that? Like, I don't believe in Western medicine for this sense of the word of like, I'm never going to go into like the, the depths of the darkness of into the world of just like, building a human life in a petri dish because I like am consciously or I guess consciously unaware of the subconscious blocks going on in my current reality that are made up of time space and energy that aren't even real but I'm just sitting here not even thinking about it right like I it cracks me up um because I feel like I always tell my husband this if you just put um like a, a fly on the wall in my brain it is just empty space <laughs> But at the same time, there's like so much depth of like just thinking and like trying to relate. But nonetheless, these women are saying no. And I think that's like, that is the space holder that's needed. It's like finally taking the energy away from the systems that aren't working anymore. Because when you say no, that's like actually removing your energy, whether you believe in it or not, from being, you know, tied to that exchange. And they're able to make a better grounded, more abundant blossoming decision for themselves in the world of what it is that they actually want because they're not tied to some system that's just like sucking the life out of them anymore like that actually really exists and I feel like people look at me in person not when I'm doing work virtual works I feel like people seek me out in terms of the virtual world a lot more for for the empty space in the head type of energy work (laughs) but in my private practice I do see over the past five years a huge shift of women just finally being like, I don't have any idea. Or I have this like awakening in myself of like, it spoke to me in the night. I don't know what it was, but it said to try this. Doesn't make sense. I don't believe it, but I'm going to put my foot in the water to just think that it might be another opportunity that I didn't know even existed before. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, they're obviously not getting results where they were hanging out. (laughs) So... I mean, the only way you're going to find out what's on the other side, if you take a leap. I agree. And I also think it's important to note too, and kind of just like a disclaimer is like on this side of the coin that we are choosing to play in and have fun in and like, you know, share with the world, what we've discovered and walk through ourselves is that like, this isn't just something like Western medicine has offered you of like, Mm -hmm. oh, it's not working we have a quick fix. Like, it's not that it's like the depths and the shadows and the unwinding and the darkness and like walking through those pillars of 
self-reflection and understanding and the subconscious and like bringing things into the from the darkness into the light that we never thought we even needed to to get there and that's the work that I see women being called to do and saying yes to after they say no to that like there's a no component but there's also it has to be a yes component because it's not like you say no and then all of a sudden you figure out your lunar cycle and like that was like you said to be that's the missing piece <laughs> I figured it out like, it's not this like quick fix mm-hmm. it's like you know this un- unfolding of who you are your life purpose that you're supposed to live and how this baby you're going to call in is going to serve you in, in, in helping you like catapult yourself onto that like pedestal of your your sole purpose yeah and that's really important to highlight and understand because I do think that provides somewhat of an explanation to why a lot of women also don't want to choose that path because in my experience I have come to discover shocker that a lot of people don't actually want to heal Mm -hmm. they don't actually want the results that they pretend that they want Mm -hmm. because what they need to do in order to get to the other side demands a lot of them yeah and not everybody actually wants that and I think that like there's also a lot of like I don't think trauma bonding is the right phrase but there's like um and even there's a victim mentality around being very deeply attached to the identity that is provided to a person through their um, diagnosis Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. and through the labels that are given to them by a system that tries so desperately to control and itemize and categorize all of our experiences. Um, I, I mean, if you if you are trying to have a baby, just do yourself a favor and never, ever, ever look up the hashtag infertility on Instagram ever. I don't care if you think you're infertile. Right. Because like what is found there is so deeply saddening and horrifying to me. I mean, I, I've I've no I know that people I've known of people who identify with like cancer diagnosis and uh I don't know, being a, being an alcoholic or like whatever, but there's something particularly gut-wrenching for me to discover how many women are creating an entire identity and a persona around this idea that they are quote unquote infertile or a survivor or, you know, whatever these terms are that they apply to their experience and build entire platforms around it. I can't think of a more efficient way to guarantee that you will never have a normal, natural conception. <laughs> 1000%. Yeah. It's wild. And it's, it's very hard. And I think that when we go through, especially as maidens, when we do travel through that archetype of the hero, right? And the sort of like the self-righteous, I am coming into my wisdom and I understand how everything works. We want, we, we want so desperately to save other people from themselves without fully grasping that like that could never possibly be our job because only they can decide that they actually want it. And that, yes, it is possible for individuals to not actually want it. Sometimes being quote unquote sick provides a lot for a person. Oh, I agree. And I see that all the time. I see that all the time in several of the women that I've walked with in the in the self-healing journey, let's just say, because they they 
of course, seek out every practitioner for fertility purposes, right? It's like, oh, well, I'm going to like, I heard chiropractic can help. I heard that, you know, frequency medicine can help. I heard that spirit baby connection can help. I heard that, you know, like I could go and get energy healing. I could go and like, I could just dip my toe into the drugs of, you know, these toxic drugs that promise you that you'll get cancer after you take them. You might not get a baby, but you'll for sure get cancer. And it's just like the stories that come with these women are stories of a frequency of, I don't want to heal of that. I, and and I, I find myself asking the questions kind of like you had said of, you know, the questions that I tend to ask are not easy questions of like the first question being, if you never could biologically have a child, like, are you open to continuing your life on that journey? Because I find like people haven't even thought if they actually can't biologically have a child. Like that's the first question. They just like assume it's going to happen for them no matter how many places they go or what they do or what they pay for or an amount that they pay for. But then also like, are you willing to love yourself enough to have a child in turn mirror that love back to you? Because that's a huge thing. It's like, And I find that the underlying common denominator between all of these women that are just like identifying and you know, developing this ideology of like, I am infertile and therefore I'm going to like make a huge platform to pay for more infertility services that are eventually going to have to pay for all of my other physiological destructions that I do to my body. And then they, they pry on the story that like my body is broken. I am physically broken. I am financially broken. And it's just like, are you ready to love yourself yet? Because, you know, you have to like, I find these women have to like deplete themselves all the way down to literally the ashes and then they're finally like oh well I could have just loved myself and that's you know a quite candid way to describe it It doesn't quickly happen that way but an overall summation of their journey it's like it's this breaking down of every single system within them like they go through this darkness unknowingly and then finally almost like all of a sudden realize I guess and realize doesn't really you know sum up the like kind of a light bulb moment that they happen that they happen to have at least the one that I work with and then it's like oh shit what did I just do to myself and then we start telling the story of like how much unlovedness there was in their life or how much they've always been seeking something outside of themselves to fix what they could have just provided for themselves in a way of just asking for help or you know, being transparent with themselves or like having that mirror in response and showing up as who they were. Um, And I just, it is very sad to like, I I find myself stepping in and out of that world of like saying no to people serving them in fertility and then serving them in a sense of being the mirror for that, that trans transmission, because I completely understand that like no one, no matter how much money you have in the world or time, energy, or effort. Like you can't just be like, I want a baby here. It is like even in the Western world. I mean, I I work with women who've gone through IVF, like six, seven, eight, nine, 10 times. Um, and it's that I have to just like remove myself. They have to remove themselves from that, that pedestal of like, I I'm willing to do anything, but they're really not willing to do everything because they continually identify with that well, this didn't work. I paid this much money and it didn't work. I paid this much money and it didn't work. Or they promised me this, 
or it's X, Y, and Z. And it just, it's exhausting. But all in all, if you put those on kind of like a revolving door and, and you know, like centrifuge them down. So what <laughs> is the, the common denominator in all of it, it is the emotional relationship with ourselves. It's like how, at least in the world that I'm in is like, you don't find yourself worthy. You don't set boundaries. You don't have a, a, a in-depth understanding of like who you are, like what you actually came here to do or what you're seeking from receiving a child, right? It's that whole, that old like mentality of like the boomer generation that like, you know, well, you know, God gave me a child so that he could only speak when spoken to, you know, like, it's like, what? You know, and like it's the breaking down of those systems. And this isn't from my brain. It's from the, I think the energetics of all of us as a human race are going after something more than what we've been led to believe is the truth. And so why wouldn't these kids coming in, these babies coming in demand more of us? Like, you know, if I choose to come back, I surely wouldn't choose to come back and, you know, someone who's not doing the work, therefore that person would be deemed infertile, right? Um, and they would have to figure out how to crawl their way out of that, like, enlightenment process. So, yeah, that was my long time. Well, I don't even know where I was going with that. Yep, don't get me talking on that for sure. But nonetheless, it's not, it's not like outside of us. It always comes from within. Yeah. Well, our children are our teachers, right? And sometimes the presence of a child is the teaching and sometimes the absence of the child is the teaching. Yes. Um, and I agree with you that there tends to be this clamoring kind of sacrificial energy around acquiring a child that actually leaves the woman behind where she's sort of living in sacrifice to her perceived infertility instead of turning that energy inward towards herself and her own purpose and vitality mm -hmm. and the energetic differences between those two archetypes are very different and I think we can all feel which one <laughs> is more abundant and magnetic and juicy and flowing and receptive right yes for sure. And I think it's important to note too, that that is the journey, you know, I mean, in the sense of the 99.999%, you know, open space of that, what we are, this is also an experience. And I think that's the beauty that we all tend to miss out on is like, I say all the time to people who think that this doesn't, this world doesn't exist, that we believe in that we think that they think it's not science mm -hmm. that like, I just am of the belief system that if we all truly stopped thinking that we only had one life and if we fucked it up that we wouldn't get another opportunity the world wouldn't be in the situation that it's in because I feel like the mass majority of individuals you know suffering from you know either any type of you know self-harm or alcoholism or drugs or any type of like lack of subconscious awareness of who they are and what they're bringing to this world if they knew they had another they had endless goes at it and this was an opportunity of, of a lifetime of learning mm -hmm. and it wasn't just like some strict rigid belief system that if you did something wrong one time in your life you're you're deemed to hell and damnation and you're gonna get set on fire and burn at the stake like that's what I really feel these women 
embody like mm-hmm. embody in an energetic sense like they're not saying that to me but that's how their their subconscious mm-hmm. is showing when they're walking through these you know self-healing practices like it's their inner child is like so broken and so mm-hmm. upset and so like just in a state of lack that if we didn't live in this way the world would be completely different like and I think that's where we're heading we have to head that way because we can't we can't continue to think that we only get one opportunity to do this in the world because I think that's just like so silly and rudimentary to think that like we would come here to be as big as we are and share our purposes and like people come here like knowing all kinds of stuff right and then people come here like just so open and curious and like that's the beauty of personality and if we don't we don't hone in on that that beauty of the unknown that people just say they don't believe in then you're just missing out and I think you know (laughs) yeah you're just really missing out I don't even know what to tell you you're just missing out which I even think to myself like you know 10 20 years ago just like where I'm at now even in the depths of those thoughts like the the precursor of those beginning thoughts of this ideology like I don't think I've ever been rigid in a sense of like like the mass makeup of humanity is and so looking from my viewpoint I know is very different from other viewpoints and I think that's the beauty like we're missing a component of the beauty and the connection that we all need to start to tap into and it's not about believing and it's not about like being broken and or or looking to something that exists outside of us ultimately because it all exists within us we can't we can't like separate the two right like we're always just like this constant diverse like hatred separation like dividing it has to come back together my thoughts (laughs) what you just said kind of reminds me of sort of the the sort of general principle of of alchemy actually which is also the, the second, well, I guess is on a competition. Alchemy and astrology are both the, considered the oldest sciences known to um, our race. And they do have a lot of, um, they do tend to go together in a lot of ways as well. Uh, but one of the sort of ideas of alchemy is that the seed to everything exists within everything. Mm-hmm. This is why they believe that they could turn lead into gold because the seed that is required for gold to exist exists within the lead. Mm-hmm. Um, and then furthermore, I actually read recently that uh, they believed that the all you needed to do to turn, to like activate that seed was to nourish the soil. Mm-hmm. And that in, in an as, astrological and astral bodily kind of way, like, the body that we come into in this life is the soil for the journey that the soul needs to take. Mm-hmm. So everything that you need to experience the journey that you came here to be on, you have been given. You are, Im- you are literally embodying it <laughs> in your physical form. Yeah. It's all there. So cool. So freaking cool. So tell me, how does one who is desiring to tap into this world of nothing that exists, but where there everything is, <laughs> of course, into the world of fertility astrology, how would they work with you, connect with you, um, follow you on Instagram? Because I love your content. It's so beautiful. Oh, thank you. Share with yeah, them. like 
I guess the easiest way would be to go to wildwillingwisdom.com forward slash start dash here. And that page is really great because it basically introduces you to all of the channels through which you can interact with my work. Of course, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Telegram. Um, I'm on Substack, uh, writing some more long form content there, which has been really amazing and therapeutic. Um, and then of course you can access and read more about my offering, which is called infertile moon. And through there, I work with women to help them with their fertility journeys. Um, and also actually have been doing a lot of medical astrology readings in generally speaking, which I wasn't anticipating, but it's interesting. I'm, I'm a projector and over the years, my most booked offerings are always the ones that are not on the menu. <laughs> so if you have a burning desire <laughs> to work with me in any way that speaks to you, just send me a message and I'm available. <laughs> It just always seems to be the way that it is. But yes, my my current focus right now is being channeled through Infertile Moon. And I've been working with women there to help them on their fertility journeys and understanding their fertile moon phases and reading their transits and stuff like that. Um, and it's been really fun. Cool. Dare I say that individual is me just sending you emails on how could you help me in this situation? <laughs> Here are the list of things. Let me know which ones that you feel called to help me Totally. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. <laughs> awesome. And I will say, I mean, I know we covered a lot of ground today and we talked predominantly about, you know, all things energy, all things astrology, but Athena has been literally a dream <laughs> in the world Aww. of technology because y'all that know me know that technology is literally <laughs> not good. Always <laughs> the lowest grade of my existence. I did not come here to, to be fantastic at technology. I came here to be like rudimentary learning, like next lifetime, I'm going to be like some IT person or like some engineer. <laughs> but um, if you have any other needs in that world, she has built all of our websites. She has built, she's helping with me um, with my course. She's helping me with my children's <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of everything she is just a creative genius and she just gets it so I'm super grateful to her for all of my technological difficulty emails of like <laughs> I don't know what happened here <laughs> <laughs> so yes lean on her and reach out to her she is incredible and I'm so grateful that you joined us any last thoughts or anything on your heart that you want to share with us hmm. just that I believe in you Aww. Say it almost every day. <laughs> I believe in you. I believe in who's listening. I believe in your, your spirit babies. Oh, I love that. That's amazing. Well, thank you. And I like, I want to say begged, but pretty much if I could hold your hand and tell you to go click the follow button, you need to go follow. Her. <laughs> thank Some you. Of my favorite content. I'm just so grateful that our, our lives have come into connection over the last few years because yeah amazing so thank you for joining me and I hope you all listening have a beautiful day bye
Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I am so excited and I hope you enjoyed it. And season two is coming along for a beautiful ride already. I hope that you will click the subscribe button and also leave us a review. If you know anything about podcasts, it's the reviews that help us connect with other women in the collective and also share not only my message, but all of the powerful messages of the incredible women who share their stories on the Radical Woman podcast. So I hope this episode hit for you and you'll click the subscribe button, click the share button, and leave a review. Go ahead and follow our guest that we worked with today and that shared her story of power and grace and love and vulnerability. And as always, sister, so much love and light to you.